0: Well, some of you may not know this but my father is a retired pastor and for many years served as the senior pastor at bethany lutheran church in parma when my family first moved to ohio from michigan i was going into fourth grade and one of the things i remember about bethany when i first saw it was that it was this big white structure it still is a big white structure but it's a beautiful building As a kid, I also remember going to VBS and square dances in the parking lot. I remember the church picnics and youth group activities. It was a place where you went to do things. So at least for me, when I was growing up and I thought about the church, I thought about a building and activities. And a lot of people think the same thing. Then last March, everything got turned upside down because of the pandemic. And along with many other things, people didn't attend church in a building like they used to, and they didn't go to activities like they used to. And I'm sure this disruption of attending church and going to activities has been hard for many of you. I know it's been hard on us. But what if church was more than just an event or an activity that you attended on the weekend? You know, what if church was a way for you to be? You know What if you didn't just go to church? What if you were the church? I think that's exactly what God has in mind. The church isn't a building or activities. It's us. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at what it means to to be the church. And today I want to start off by looking at how you can be the church through your story and how God can use that story in a way that can impact someone else and their relationship with Jesus. Now you may or may not know this about Royal Redeemer Lutheran Church, but we also have a Christian school. Uh, It's filled with fantastic teachers and staff and incredible students ranging from preschool through grade eight. And like most schools, we also have a library. a library that is filled with all kinds of stories. Um, stories of fiction, like Hop on Pop here, to stories that are nonfiction, like this one on Martin Luther. Now, just so you know, nonfiction stories are about real people and the true events or moments that maybe even shape their lives. But these are powerful stories that tell about a person and their life. Well, as I just mentioned, you have a story. Maybe you never thought of that before, but as a Christian, you do. You have a story. And God wants you to share that story with others. Now, here's the thing. When you hear the word story, understand that that word can have different meanings. For example, it can refer to that time when, by the Spirit's power, your faith became real for you. Where God's grace and joy became alive for you where it wasn't just your parents' faith, but it was your faith. You owned it. However, a story could also refer to something powerful or exciting or miraculous that happened in your life. Personally, I have all kinds of stories of how God has worked in me through broken relationships, hurt feelings, and illnesses. I have stories of how God spared me from bad decisions, protected me from a potential car accident, and even provided for needs that I had. And maybe you have a few stories like that yourself. Maybe you were healed from some disease. Maybe you were spared some consequence. Maybe something else happened in your life. But I believe that all of you have a story like that. A story where God was at work in your life and where he blessed you. Some of you, like me, may have multiple stories. Regardless, one of the ways by which you can be the church is to know your story and then be ready to share that story. And like I said, the reason why is because God can use your story to help point someone else to Jesus or help make them aware of his power and presence in their life. It can change minds, touch hearts, and impact lives. Your real life story can be powerful. Powerful. Now, I know you might be thinking, oh my goodness, I could never do that. <laughs> I get that. But keep in mind, this is just a normal conversation that you are having with another person. Okay? This isn't a speech. This isn't a sermon. You're just talking to them. Sometimes there may be other people there with you, but normally it's just a one-on-one conversation. And keep in mind, all you're doing is talking about what happened to you how God worked in your life or how he blessed you in some way. Okay, so that's it. Now, I know that this may seem intimidating, and I understand that. It can be kind of scary. So what I'm going to do for the next couple of minutes is work through several verses in Acts 26 with you. In Acts 26, Paul is in prison and has given the chance to defend himself and tell his story. In the process, though, Paul offers several examples of several principles when it comes to sharing a story. And what I like to do is simply look at those principles so as to help us be the church through our story. Okay, so principle number one is to begin with the other person. When talking with somebody else, whether it's a family member, friend, neighbor, coworker, classmate, Whoever it is, it's tempting to think, hey, this is my story, so it's all about me. But I'll tell you right now, if they sense that, they'll turn you off. So start with them. Figure out what's going on in their life. Learn about their situation. Discover what you might have in common, kind of like Paul does in Acts 26. In verses 2 and 3, Paul says, King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. Did you see what Paul did there? He connected with King Agrippa by talking about the Jewish faith. So when developing a relationship with someone else, it's important to establish a common ground. In this case, both Paul and King Agrippa were Jews and well-educated. And even though Paul didn't approve of King Agrippa's lifestyle or values, he still spoke to him with respect because he knew that he had to earn the right to ask the king to listen to him and to hear what he had to say. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22 and 23, Paul says this, he says, I've become all things to all men, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Paul doesn't just want his message to go in one ear and out the other, but to be understood and taken to heart. And he knew that the best way to do that was to begin with the other person. So to be the church and share our story, a good first step is for us to ask questions and to listen to the other person talk about themselves so that we can then understand them and what they might be dealing with in their life. You know, the more we know about them, the easier it will be to relate our story to them and to their particular situation. It will be far more effective. Okay, well, a second principle is to speak with confidence and clarity. Even though Paul was a prisoner at this time of his life, he wasn't afraid. He didn't hesitate. He laid out his facts clearly and concisely, talking about how fortunate it was that he could be speaking to the king. I mean, at one time, Paul was speaking confidently to his Jewish listeners. At another time, he was speaking directly to the king. When Festus, the Roman governor, called Paul insane, Paul calmly stated that he wasn't crazy. And in verse 25, he says, Most excellent Festus, what I am saying is true and reasonable. And you see, Paul was able to say that for two reasons. First, he was able to speak with that kind of composure and confidence because he knew who God was. He knew the truth about God's love and mercy. He knew the truth about Jesus, his Savior. He examined the evidence. He personally talked with people who had spent time with Jesus. He knew that Jesus had come to die and free all people from their sin. He knew that by God's grace, through faith in Christ, anyone could be reconciled and restored and renewed in a relationship with God. And of course, that includes you. So Paul clearly knew who God was. But second, Paul was able to speak with clarity and confidence because he knew who he was. He knew that through faith in Christ, he belonged to God and no earthly king was going to intimidate him. And when you think about it, that's huge. Because if you don't have confidence in who God is or where you stand in his family, you will be timid with your faith. So read and study God's word and read it every day so that you can build that confidence and reinforce your faith. Honestly, if you can be grounded in the truth, clear in your knowledge of God, and confident in your standing as his child, you will be grounded, clear, and confident in what you have to say. Okay, well, to be the church, a third principle is to make sure that you get organized. You know, every good author knows that you can't simply create a story by randomly writing down a bunch of words or thoughts. Even Dr. Seuss knew that a story needs to be carefully thought out and organized. Well, in the same way, it's important for you to figure out ahead of time what you're going to say when that opportunity arises. I mean, obviously, you don't want to just aimlessly ramble on, so share your story. But as you share it, follow Paul's lead and organize your thoughts. For example, in verse 4, Paul talks about his life before Christ and says, The Jews all knew the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. Then Paul goes on to talk about what his life was like before he was a Christian, a part that you could refer to as the BC part or the before Christ part of the story. Now, for those of you watching me right now, if you were baptized as an infant and raised in the church like me, maybe this BC portion refers to that time before your faith became real to you, that time when it was only something your parents or a Sunday school teacher had taught you. It was just words in your head. But then in verses 12 through 18, Paul shifts into talking about his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and and he elaborates on that experience. And so maybe you could refer to that as the MC part or the met Christ part of the story. And again, maybe for you, this could refer to that time where the light bulb came on, where by the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus became real for you and became your personal Savior. Not just the Savior of the world, but your Savior. Or maybe it was a time where you saw him at work in your life in a powerful way. Regardless, Paul goes on in verse 19 and he says, So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. And that leads to the AD part of the story, which could describe what happened after meeting Christ. The bottom line is that Paul organized his story in a very natural way, in a way that worked. And honestly, if you watched any amount of TV, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've seen those before and after commercials, right? And how buying a product or taking a certain medication or getting on an exercise routine can help create a difference in your life. You know, those commercials are everywhere. And if you've seen them, you know those before and after stories are a very powerful way to communicate. The difference here, of course, though, is that I'm not talking about some surface change, but a deeper change that goes right to a person's heart and that can last for eternity. I'm talking about us being the church and helping others understand who God is and what he can do for them in their life. How he can guide them and help them and meet their needs. How his love for them in Jesus never ends. And really, you always want to look for a way to tie in God's grace and mercy and how through Jesus' death on the cross, forgiveness is their gift. So think through your story, whatever it might be. And then organize your thoughts so that when you share it, you can share those details with confidence. All right, well, the fourth principle is to relate your experience. When you share your story, the goal is to relate what happened to you and how God worked in your life to what is happening to them and how God might be working in their life. I mean, think about it. How effective would a salesman be if all they did was share the details of their product but then never told you how to buy it. (laughs) That would be a terrible salesman. Or how effective would a tour guide be if all they did was talk about a beautiful location and then never tell you how to get there? So when you tell your story, make sure that you relate it to that person's life situation. If it doesn't connect with them in some way, it won't spark their faith. It won't move them closer to Jesus. In Acts 26, verses 26 and 27, Paul says this, The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice, because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Paul saying, look, you've heard my story before. You know it's true. I've just connected the dots for you. Paul relates his story to King Agrippa's life. So when sharing your story with somebody else, make sure you can relate your experience to them. Make sure you are able to apply what it means for them. Help them to connect the dots. Help them to see how what you just shared can make a difference for them. Okay, well, the fifth principle, which is the most important one, is to point people to Jesus. Of course, that should always be your number one goal. I mean, the reason why Paul was so bold and clear and persuasive was because he was on a mission. A few chapters earlier in Acts 20, verse 24, Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now, back in our story in Acts 26, You see the same passion. Paul's top concern wasn't to save his own physical life, but to save the spiritual lives of those listening to him. He wanted them to know the wonderful truth that Jesus came to change lives, to bring peace and hope and joy and healing and eternal life. He didn't want them to be weighed down over their past mistakes or failures. Instead, he wanted them to confess those sins and trust that because of Christ's suffering and death on the cross, God would lift the burden of their guilt and free them from the weight of their sin. So just as Jesus changed Paul's life, Paul wanted to do the same for everyone else. And what's interesting is that the people who were listening to Paul, they got the point. They knew exactly what he was talking about, even King Agrippa. That's why he says to Paul in verse 28, Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? <laughs> Agrippa knew Paul was on a mission and that he, Agrippa, was the mission. But Paul doesn't back down. He goes on in verse 29, he says, Short time or long, I pray that God not only, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. Paul was trying to persuade the king and everyone else there to remove anything that might block them from ultimately trusting in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So while Paul may have started on the defense, he quickly and decisively moved to the offense. The prisoner was passionately trying to take captives for Christ. And that left King Agrippa with basically two options. Either get right with God or get away from Paul. And if you read the rest of chapter 26, you'll see that sadly, King Agrippa goes with option B. He gets up and he walks away. And you know what, sometimes that is gonna happen. But our job is to plant the seed, to share our story, and then trust that God through the work of his Holy Spirit will create and provide growth and transformation. My prayer for all of you watching me right now, all of you who name Christ as your King, My prayer is that God will bless you with some of Paul's tenacious spirit and get on the offense with those in your circle of influence so that together we might be the church by sharing our story. So just as a quick review, when you share your story, begin with the other person, okay? Let them talk first. Second, speak with confidence and clarity. Third, get organized. Figure out what you're gonna say. Learn the details. Fourth, relate your experience to the other person's life and then ultimately point them to Jesus. Help them to connect the dots and see how God might be at work in them or in their life situation. Well, let me just close by challenging you in a couple of ways this week. First, let me challenge you to connect with God and read Acts 26. Read through it and see for yourself those five principles that we talked about and that Paul used in sharing his story. Second, identify a story from your own life. Pick a story where God was clearly at work in you and whatever way that might be. Then become familiar with the details and learn it so that it will always be there for you, ready for you to use when you need it. And then third, ask God for courage and the opportunity to share your story. And do it so that others, by the Spirit's power, can know and love Jesus too. So that others might grow in their faith and someday have a story to share of their own. All right, would you pray with me, please? Now, Father in heaven, we, we live in a culture that relates to stories. And Lord, the people around us, you know, they may not yet know about you or Christianity. They may not know that it's, if it's true or if it really works. So help us to discover and develop our stories in a way that will powerfully illustrate your presence within our life and then empower us to use them so that others might grow closer to you too, that they might know you too, that they might love you and trust in you as their savior as well. So bless us in this, O God, and, and bless this series. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen just as an act of worship i would like to uh, invite you to continue with your demonstration of love to the lord by presenting your offerings Uh, there are so many ministries that we carry out in jesus name and and we are able to do it because of your generosity uh, there are five different ways by which you can give to the different ministries of, of Royal Redeemer. Um, but thank you in advance for your faithfulness. Thank you in advance for supporting the mission of Christ. Thank you for doing this as an act of love and worship to your Lord who loved you first in Jesus.